What's maybe advice for somebody who likes aviation, they don't know where to start? Reach out to people, you know, reach out to people that you see creating content. I mean, like yourself, Lindsay, like myself, like we're putting ourselves out there for a reason. And it's really, we, we would love to be contacted to help you in your, in your journeys. Hello, and welcome to the Business Aviation Collective podcast sponsored by LD Aviation. I'm Lindsay Dyer, and today we get a chance to talk to Tom Lelio. Tom is the president of Jet Life Aero, and you can find him online at the Ultimate Jet Guide. Hi, Tom. Hey, Lindsay. How's it going? Very good. Thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us today. My pleasure. I appreciate you coming because you have a definitely a different aspect of aviation than we have had on this show before. And you are at a brokerage. You own a brokerage, which is a buying and selling of aircraft. Most of the people that we have had on the podcast so far have been in flight departments that are already established. So we might do some buying and selling, but I bet you work with a lot of actual brand new owners. Yeah. One of my favorite people to work with are brand new jet first, first time jet buyers. So it's always interesting to kind of explain to them the different aspects of aviation, the different things that they're going to need from insurance to hangars to pilots. And, and to your point, as we were talking about earlier, before we hit record, is the flight departments. I mean, who's going to handle the details when you need to go somewhere? And so for a lot of guys, it might be used to either them being the, the owner operator so that they would handle that kind of stuff. But we have to step up into a jet, and especially if you need two pilots, I mean, now all of a sudden, there's a lot of little details. And I'm not a very detail-oriented kind of person, I'm not going to lie. So the fact that we have someone, uh, an owner could have someone on the team like yourself to handle those little details from the weights to the capacity to, you know, whatever, just the timing, you know, where are you going? Um, I think that's a great value add for a lot of owners. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's definitely the uh, traits of most schedulers, dispatchers, and that is that they're detail oriented. Mm-hmm. So, so Tom, I want to back up a little bit. And you didn't start out in aviation, did you? This is kind of a newer endeavor for you. Where did you yes. start out? So I actually went to, to college for ministry. I graduated with a, a degree in theology. I wanted to be a youth pastor. I got a master's degree in in theology as well. And right out of college, I started serving as a youth pastor at uh, my local church. And that's pretty much where I worked for about 10 years, different churches in the area. And that's what actually brought me from the Northeast in the tri-state area of Jersey, Pennsylvania, down to Florida, where my family and I live now, moved down to Florida specifically for a job as a youth pastor. And so okay. that's kind of where my roots were and in many ways still are as we still volunteer at our local church. But uh, ministry has always been a part of my life. Nice. That's awesome. And and youth, that's such a noble cause too. I mean, the more really good role models that we have for our youth, the better. I have 14-year-old and a 17-year-old. And I mean, really good role models in adults are really few and far between and very needed. So yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> very cool. All right. So from at, from the youth pastor, then where did you head to? What did you start? To? Well, at, at, by the time we were kind of wrapping up that season in our life, my wife and I had five children. That's kind of where we're at right now. We do have five kids. 
And, cool. and so we were looking for something different, a little bit of a change. And so I actually found myself going out, doing some marketing videography for local businesses. And one of the local businesses I tried to get their business was a local music school. Mm-hmm. And on meeting with the owner, she shared her vision for the music school to inspire and educate and collaborate you know, with that next generation of musicians. This wasn't just go to a church with some little old lady at a piano and learn how to play. Mm-hmm. It took like a school of rock. I mean, they had a whole warehouse with a concert venue and everything. And so wow. I fell in love with the mission and vision of that, of that school and signed up you know, to be a part of it. And so I worked there for a few years until about 20, 2020. And then it just came time, you know, to to take the next step in in my profession. And so I started looking for careers in sales. I had been involved in sales my entire life from selling kids on uh, coming to church with uh, some stale pizza on a Friday night instead of going to the football game with music, direct sales, network marketing with uh, fruits and vegetables in a capsule, selling cut coat knives in college. So I'd always yeah. kind of not shied away from sales and realized the benefit of being in control of your income by being able to solve problems for people and provide solutions for people. So when I started looking at other opportunities, I just went to Indeed.com, saw an ad online for, for high net worth sales. Don't even think it even mentioned Jets at all. But when the, uh, the, the interview took me to the airport, and I saw the the name of the company that had jets in it. I was like, oh, okay, I guess we're we're selling airplanes in some way, shape, or form. So mm-hmm. uh, I was fortunate enough they took a they took a chance on somebody with no aviation background. I put in my two weeks notice, March of 2020. And as many of you, yeah, you know, maybe that that date is kind of ringing bells in your mind. That's just when the pandemic hit. Yeah. And so after putting my two weeks notice in. The agency that hired me called me up and said, I'm sorry, but we can't hire you right now. Oh, no. Uh, We are shut down and we don't know what this is going to do. So you're kind of on your own. So I spent uh, on my own uh, honing my sales skills uh, with the hope that they would call me back. And sure enough, in about four to six weeks, they did. And it all started, you know, all started for me that, that April. That is so cool. Yeah, I think a lot of people had a lot of uncertainty going on right around the March of 2020. Can I go back just really quick to one thing you had mentioned? You said you sold Cutco knives in college. So I read a really good book by Hal Elrod and The Miracle Morning. Have you ever read that? No. Well, I love that book. And it's about how to structure your morning to basically be more productive, which I I really like it. Anyway, it just struck me interesting because he based his entire career basically on selling the Cutco knives. And he started in college. So anyway, I just thought that was a neat parallel. So yeah, no, I, I, love, I, I still have my knives. Yeah, I hear they're awesome. Yes. <laughs> Very cool. Okay, so you, to March of 2020, or so now mine must be April or May of 2020, and now you went back to work for them. Mm-hmm. So how steep was that learning curve? I mean, if you came from basically zero aviation knowledge, I mean, selling is selling, but did you have to do a lot of studying to know what airplanes you were looking at? Uh, yeah, I mean, there was certainly a, a little bit of a learning curve. I enjoy learning. And so what I found, the biggest problem for me, though, was there wasn't a lot of resources out there to start studying, make some models. So we started with legacy, older citations. And if okay. you Google that, you get basically a Wikipedia page right. and you get a bunch of you know Reddits and back 
back internet uh, chats and forums going back and forth. I was, wasn't really organized, so you had to sift through a lot of it. So a lot of it was learning on the job, which is why you know I kind of appreciate what you guys are doing for schedules and dispatchers is putting all that information in a single spot where yeah. people understand and, and make sense of the job. Because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I imagine scheduling dispatching is, is kind of similar to sales where you just need to know enough. You need to know just enough more than the person that you're talking to on the phone to get started. And then you become you know, more proficient and more professional. It is. That- you have the basics of, you know, tell me how many people you know, are coming tell me how much luggage and tell me where you're going. And, you know, you can pretty much figure it out from there. That's right. And I'm sure the same as in sales, you're continuously learning. I mean, we right. learn stuff. I learn stuff every day. I've been doing this for 25 years and I still learn something new every single day. Maybe a way to make it faster or easier, more streamlined. So, cool. yeah. All right. So you didn't see much online and you had to, you had to learn all that anyway. You started with the older airplanes. Yep. Okay, how long did it take you to sell your first jet or aircraft? Didn't have to yeah, no, I mean we we st- we stuck with jets, and they were. I mean, let's let's be clear. I mean, they were half a million dollars or lower. I mean, they weren't brand new CJ four Gen twos or anything like that. Well, it's but still something that we probably don't buy every day. That's still a right. bit of spike. <laughs> but you know, it's kind of like a house, you know. So I kind of look at it like a real realtor. It probably took four to six months for the first sale. But along those lines, you know, we were calling through the markets on a regular basis. So we started to have a little bit of a pipeline. So by the time I, you know, got my first listing, which is one of our milestones, was probably about 30 to 60 days. And then by six months, we had a sale. Four or six months, we had a sale. And by then, we probably had six to eight listings to go along with it. So after that sale, it would be another 30 to 60 days for another sale. And they just kind of, you know, snowball effect. But we did it pretty hard. I'm a big fan of, of Grant Cardone and his his 10x ethos, if you will. And so, you know, I invested a lot of time, energy, and money into learning my craft. And I think that's, you know, really important for any field, you know, especially if you're just starting out, even in, in scheduling dispatching, like there's probably a, a certain level of skill. And then if you just apply, you know, X amount of effort, you can really stand apart from the crowd. You know, and so that's that's really important when it comes to just how you carry yourself and, and the kind of job you do so that you can either be the best scheduled dispatcher you can, or if you have aspirations for something else, it's going to set you up for success. You can't just do, you know, the minimum. Yeah. Would you be able to just talk to us a little bit more about that 10x philosophy? And you said his name is Grant Cardone. Yeah, Grant Cardone is a... Yeah, he's a pretty popular influencer right now, and he's been around for decades. You know, Rich okay. starting out in in automotive sales and creating like a sales, an online sales course before online sales courses were out there. You know, mostly for automotive type sales, but he's he's grown into a lot more now. He does a lot of real estate, uh, a lot of philanthropy, and okay. it's just. Basically, the whole idea is whatever amount of effort you think it's going to take to do something, you need to 10x it. So if you think it's going to take you, you know, 10 phone calls to get someone on the line, we'll plan on doing 100 phone calls. Okay. Basically, it's this idea of frequency before you get it to greatness. Okay. So so if you have this mindset that, wow, I got to make 100 calls to make this work, 
Well, wow. on the way to 100 calls, you're going to hit that goal. So not if your goal is, you know, I want to make a million dollars this year, your goal really should be, I want to make $10 million this year uh-huh. and or towards making $10 million this year. And in, and in so doing, come yeah. across the dollar or beyond, which is, you know, what I've seen, you know, just in my own personal life, the more intentional, massive action that I put into something, uh, the results speak for themselves. Nice. Yeah, like a BFG. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. Very cool. Okay, great. I'll have to look him up. I have not listened to any of his stuff, but I, I get the 10x. I mean, I sometimes feel like in my business, I'm almost at a decade now. Next year will be 10 years. And yeah, I'm sure I thought it would take a lot less time to get this a lot yeah. bigger, uh, to make it larger. And even now I think, oh, well, I should be able to just take one or two more clients, you know, to make that extra whatever. <laughs> It doesn't, doesn't always work yeah. that way. So yeah, for sure. Point. So you came in, you started selling aircraft. Sounds like you loved it. And then you recognized that there wasn't you, I guess may I should ask you, where did you progress from there? In well, Philly? you know, we started out. Yeah. I mean, the goal was to just sell, you know, one airplane. And then when I first joined, I'd asked the, the manager, what's the goal? Like, what's the, income potential, what, what are we shooting for? Because she can't hit a target that she can't see. Mm-hmm. So he said, you know, roughly in your first year, you know, we expect you to make six figures, you know, take home. And I was like, that's impossible. I was a youth minister for 10 years, you know, and then I worked at a music school. Like I would never even dream of that. And um, so I just worked my butt off to get to that first goal. And in that first calendar year, I mean, that's exactly what we, what we kind of hit. And so nice. we kind of just took that volume and then applied it to bigger models or more expensive models. I never sold anything more than about three and a half million dollars. So we didn't get into the tens, the twenties, the fifties. But, you know, as things progressed, then the commissions got bigger and the income went up. And that's kind of where things just went from the beginning till just about when I was ready to leave. And um yeah, no, it was it was a fantastic learning opportunity. It taught me a lot. And at the same time, it was just very exciting to be around the owners, the the aviation community. Right. I think you kind of speak to this, you know, in the schedule, schedule and dispatcher arena. It's just a wonderful community. You know, like if you're going to be, you know, if you're going to start out as, a, as, as an admin type profession, even though scheduling dispatching is so much more than that. But, you know, if you're going to start as an admin position, what better, like, it's, it's awesome to be an aviation admin than, you know, selling paper, you know? Yeah. Agreed. Yep. I totally agree. And I, oftentimes the aviation schedulers, dispatchers, they're out at the hangar. And this is something I always liked. I know, yes, like you said, we're put in that admin category quite often, but at least we're at the hangar and we're not over at the main office. Um, We get to be at the airport and hear those airplanes going by and see the airplane, you know, in and out of the hangar that you're working at. So you're right. That just being in yeah, aviation is cool. It's a great dynamic working environment. And then the people that you meet, the connections you can make. I mean, it's, it's, it's a wonderful community. It's, it's the community of aviation is so much more of a benefit than people give it credit for. I think people just usually think of the jets, right. Or like the, 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 the airport, the private airports, but, the community itself, both in terms of from the, the customer service to the customers, the B2C, 
and, and the B2B, like the colleagues that you make, yeah. the, the company that you keep as aviation professionals, I found it to be, you know, pretty solid. There are, you know, it's an unregulated industry and maybe you can speak to that a little bit on the scheduler side. There's some people that take advantage of the, the unregulated nature of it. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, if you, you, you can find the company that you want to keep and you can make a, you can, you can make a, a career out of just keeping that company and mm-hmm. just ignore the rest. Yep. No, it's very true. There are, um, you know, part 91 doesn't have a lot of regulations. So we do work with a lot of things that could be, I don't know, you know, I guess it's just not, there aren't regulations for it. So you don't have to follow them. I do have to say most of our clients though, are really good at following either 121 or 135 guidelines. While we don't have to, but we usually do. And that's, those are the clients I want to work with anyway. I'm not really interested in working with the ones who are really pushing the edge, you know, and not doing things that are really safe. So when you were doing um, the sales, did you go to industry events like MBAA? Were those big places that you would go to for networking or even clients? Well, it's kind of interesting, you know, working at an, at an agency, it was, that wasn't really part of the culture of the agency. I mean, okay. it wasn't prohibited, but it just wasn't. The line was while everybody's out at MBAA, that's our opportunity to call on people and, you know, get more business done than, than the competition, if you will. And, you know, it made sense to me not having the experience. I was like, okay, whatever. And I just, you know, put my head down and, 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 and made my phone calls. But having since left that agency and now that I'm on my own, it's been a tremendous advantage working with organizations like NBAA, working with local groups, connecting on LinkedIn digitally with, with individuals. And, and I think it would be, it, it, it was very short-sighted of me to just ignore that part yeah. because I think long-term success, you're better off networking. Yeah. The networking is huge. And now Florida, if I'm not mistaken, Florida has one of the largest private jet ownership bases. There's a ton of even single, single aircraft owner operations there. So I've heard of a couple of different events in Florida. You've got Sun and Fun. I believe the Central Florida Business Aviation Association has a big piece. There's probably a bunch of them, but great. Sounds like a great place to network. Just lots of opportunities. Yeah. The challenge is leaving the family, get out for, <laughs> for those events because with five kids, it's five sports schedules that would just shut down if either my wife or myself wasn't around. <laughs> right. Very true. Okay. So let's talk about that a little bit. Does being a jet broker or even maybe more of what you do now, which is a lot of the online content, does that allow you to be home with your family more? Was that part of that goal? Yeah, part of part of going out on my own was to be in control of my own schedule. I like waking up early. I like getting work done in the, during the daytime and being pretty much done by the time my kids are done with school. That opens me up to run them around, spend quality time with them. If I want to volunteer at their school, that's important to me. If I want to, you know, leave work early to to go do something with them, like for example, we pretty much watched the entire men's World Cup uh, at you know in October, November. You know, nice. I did go home to watch the World Cup with them, and so like that kind of stuff is important to me. And so, yeah, that was one of the reasons why we decided to start my own brokerage because I think as a broker. So much of the of what you do can be done remotely. Mm-hmm. You can make your own schedule such that 
It's respecting your own schedule and your family's schedule as well as the client's schedule. And that's just the balance that worked out for me. I understand some people you know, do prefer the nine to five and you can do that too. But in general, it is one of the nice things about sales is that you know, most of the time your clients, like they're the, these, these jet owners, I mean, they're working their own business from nine to five. So it sure. doesn't make sense in some ways to try to call them during the day because you're probably interrupting their work day. <laughs> so sure. there are advantages to being available before and after hours mm-hmm. that, you know, that, that the profession affords you. That's really cool. I, you know, we talk about this actually for women a lot of times because we see that women are oftentimes caregivers, but it's very silly of us to exclude the men and the fathers of this uh, in families as well, because you guys really want to be there for your kids just as much as moms do. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, I think that's a really cool point. I mean, we've done podcasts, in fact, on work-life balance and how do you be a mom and do all these things as well. And and that schedule, being able to set that schedule and work around theirs is always a really, it's really important piece. And I'm a big proponent of the remote, remote work and making your own schedule. But I have to say, we, we've been very remiss in not including the men and the dads as well, because it's the same for you guys. That's yeah. really cool perspective. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. So, so you were... You were working for the other brokerage, and then where did you go to? Well, I mean, by that point, I, it was just time for time for me to kind of start out on my own, you know. And so, just kind of open up shop. Uh, prior to that, I had always valued the 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 notion of a brand, you know. And so, while I was working with the agency, I had started the Jet Life brands, you know, Jet Life with Tom, because I was getting frequently asked questions from people. Uh-huh. And I want, and this is how I buy something. I go look up for the, I, I go look online for the authorities in the in the space and learn, educate myself. And so I, I saw that there there wasn't that content. Like I said, when I was first training, there wasn't the content for for wannabe jet brothers. And then for wannabe buyers, there wasn't any information out there any either. You'd have to go online. You'd have to know about controller or trade plane. You'd have to know about those sites. And then you'd have to call a broker who may or may not answer their call. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me not charge the call. And it was probably just going to give you the information that you asked for. How much is it? Tell me about it. And then they'd say, okay, I'll say inspect. See you later. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I didn't want to be that kind of broker. I wanted to do something more because that's the person I would buy from. You know, uh, I always thought of this like sell. How do you want to be sold to? And so I wanted to be, I want to be sold to somebody who puts content out there, helps educate me. And then when the time is right, I'll reach out to them and pay them for their services. It's, it's kind of funny. I was talking to somebody today and they had found me online. They were looking up how to buy a private jet. They found me and, you know, as the ultimate jet guide on YouTube. And I said to them, did you download the ultimate jet guide, the PDF? And she said, no. And the reason for that was because it made it sound like, you know, I would basically, you know, tell her how to buy a jet on her own. And she says, I don't want to learn how to buy a jet on my own. I want you to do it for me and I have, will happily pay you for that. And I was like, nice. great, <laughs> not a problem. Right, um, you can do that too. So, so that's kind of, that was kind of my philosophy. So I was building that brand. And so I had a little bit of, you know, an investment into that. And so when I left on my own, I kind of just piggyback off, off of that. 
and you know of course would 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 like to rely on past relationships that i had so once once i would clear the 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 agreement between the former agency and myself of timeline then of course reach out to to past clients but we kind of were starting from scratch basically you know so we had to get up and running as quickly as possible um, but it was good. You know, I was fortunate that I had started a brand. Definitely something I would recommend for anyone who's in any business, you know, even in aviation, you know, schedules of dispatchers. I mean, I think that'd be kind of cool to have some content helping owners, helping people. Like, how can you leverage your skills to help somebody else in aviation that could springboard your brand or springboard your next step in the aviation profession by creating valuable content for people? That's very cool. And I think that is, I want to say, kind of a newer thing, like creating your brand. You're younger. Um, some of our younger people coming into this industry, I think, would really identify that with that. And it would be really cool to see some change in the way things are going right now. I mean, we have a lot of kind of old school ways of learning about things. A lot of it's on the job. So creating a brand, that's a great suggestion. Now, creating a brand, do you have any, like, Maybe some advice on how to get that started. I feel like if if I was trying to create a brand for myself, I might not know exactly where to start. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of different places you start. I mean, obviously, you know, you just kind of Google branding. I mean, so many people pop up, you know, Gary okay. B and Grant Cardone again. But the whole idea of a brand, you know, is just what do you stand for? Okay. And yep. sometimes you don't know what you stand for. So it didn't start out for me as like creating a brand. It started for me by answering frequently asked questions. So I mean, maybe schedulers and dispatchers are hearing a lot of the same questions from owners trying to book a trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I would just start making content based around that. And then this idea for me, I like the idea of frequency before greatness. So I want to, I want to create as much content as possible. And through that, I will get better and better and better. So I don't let, I don't get paralyzed by perfection. I'm a ready fire aim guy, you know? And so a lot of people would want to be perfect. They want to have it all together before they put themselves on camera. I I just, whatever, for whatever reason that, that filter just isn't, isn't built into me. So I just start creating content. Now, maybe it's not creating content via video and audio. Maybe you're a writer. Maybe as a scheduling actually you prefer to just write. So great. Just put out, you know, tweets or threads or, you know, reels, you know, that are more text-based. Like you can do that. And then through that, you'll find your voice. And then so what I found was I just enjoyed talking to owner operators. So I found that they were owner operators. And then I found I enjoyed talking to first-time buyers because I enjoyed educating them through the process of buying a jet. So that's where the whole brand of the ultimate jet guide. You know, pulling back the curtain on private aviation, that's that's where it all came from by me just talking it into existence, if you will. FAQs. That sounds great. So let's talk about exactly what is the ultimate jet guide. And if we go to your website, what do we get to find? Because I've seen it. It's pretty great. So what would you yeah, tell our listeners? A, yeah, there's a couple of things you can check out. I mean, you can go to jetlifearrow.com. That's the brokerage. And there you'll also find, uh, you know, how to become a broker. One of the things that we are value, you know, are passionate about is inspiring the next generation of, of jet brokers. Mm-hmm. So you'll find that at jetlifeair.com. And then if you check out the ultimate jet guide, that's kind of the buyer facer, facing 
aspect of the business. So if you're looking to acquire a jet, buy a jet, we hope that you'll find the Ultimate Jet Guide. That is a downloadable PDF, about 20 pages of how to buy a private jet, everything from buying a jet for, for charter, so how to charter a jet, how to buy a jet itself, you know, fully you know, own it yourself, and even how to invest in a jet, which is becoming more and more popular, where individuals will have a need for private aviation, but it's only maybe like less than five or 10 hours a month, you know? Okay. So they'll take, the, they'll take the asset and they'll hand it over to an operator to, to, to use so that they can offset their fixed costs, offset, you know, some of their, their variable costs. And yeah. in the gray market, like we've had the last two years, you know, generate some positive revenue, whether or not that those, those trends will hold, we don't know, but that's what the ultimate jet guide is, you know, ultimately. And then that's the PDF. And then the YouTube channel is just creating more and more content on a regular basis to help aid buyers just don't know where to get started. And, uh, you know, we've recently partnered with Ab Buyer Magazine. So they'll be leveraging some of our content on their platform. Nice. So that's been a great partnership that's, that's in, in the works. And, um, you know, we also work with, uh, GLADA, uh, the Global Licensed Aircraft Dealer Association, where we kind of get guests from there, from that network. So it's very helpful because we can bring on, like you were saying, industry experts to educate the buyers into this, this, this fun new world of aviation. And, and for those listening, you got to check out his website because he's got stuff like you have an insurance agent or insurance broker on there yep. talking about all about that. You talk about the process of, of, I guess, selecting the aircraft. I mean, you have a lot of really um, educational videos on there. It's, yeah. It's yeah. We try, to keep, we, we try to use um, infotainment, you know, or edu- edutainment or whatever it is. It's, it's like that portmanteau of education and, and informative because we understand aviation insurance is probably not the most, you know, sexy <laughs> uh, topic that people are, are Googling, you know, into YouTube. So we try to have fun with it. You know, it's not just talking heads. We're throwing in stories, we're throwing in B-roll, we're throwing in graphics um, and some memes and stuff to keep the viewer's attention because it's it, it is an important part of owning an aircraft, having insurance, and just need you to stick around for you know five ten minutes so you at least get the, the the basic concepts so you can be a responsible owner. Well, they're definitely entertaining and and informational as well. So, what do you what's your future hold? Like, where where are you headed? What do you want your business to grow into going forward? Ah, uh, yeah, my 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 actual main goal is is helping to inspire that next generation of aviation professionals. I want to raise the bar of, avi- of aviation professionalism, both in terms of, well, character, right? Uh, we want to make sure this industry stays above board, if you will. You know, if no one's going to regulate us, then we got to regulate ourselves. And, and character is really important to me. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we as aviation professionals shouldn't be afraid to speak about our character, our values that, that yep. we hold dear. Because if we don't talk about it, then it's just kind of a nebulous concept. And so training brokers, you know, to have character, to have values, to be professionals is important to me. I also am, am I don't want to be the world's greatest jet salesman, but I would love to coach and mentor some of the top jet brokers in the world, you know? And so I found more, more passion and more fulfillment in 
educating in mm-hmm. work people who want to come into the into the industry who want to try sales or just learn more about what jet brokers do mm-hmm. and so my my you know my long-term goal is is to continue to sell jets to continue to work with my clients to continue to provide solutions for them and, and build new relationships and acquire and sell private aircraft for for people you know directly but also at the same time grow a brokerage or part of our model is you want to start your own brokerage that's great partner with us mm-hmm. jetline bro go build Lindsay's aviation and sell your own jets and then we're just like a little thumbnail or like a little uh, footnote you know we're a partner of, of jetline Aero so that you can you can leverage our marketing budget you can leverage our contacts and our experience you can leverage our training and promote that's your own so that's that's the bigger picture but a great concept because i think sometimes for schedulers and dispatchers doing domestic trips are relatively easy going into the international can be really scary and i think that's a parallel because lda will hold your hands so to speak to go into that next section. So you guys are basically kind of holding people's hands to start their own company. And what a cool one concept. And I bet that's really fun to see when it's completed. Like you see somebody off on their own, you've helped them, and they're doing well. That's the goal. Yeah, that's the ultimate dream right now, for sure. Ah, that is so cool. That is so cool. Let's switch topics a little bit and then let's talk more about your passion about getting more people into the industry, specifically young people. What's maybe advice for somebody who likes aviation? They don't know where to start. Reach out to people, you know, reach out to people that you see creating content. I mean, like yourself, Lindsay, like myself, like we're putting ourselves out there for a reason. And it's really we we would love to be contacted to help you in your in your journey. So I've had I had one girl from from out west, uh, contact me just to find out more. I spent an hour on the phone with her. She was great, really nice girl. And great. we got her connected with uh, Jet Aviva for an internship over the summer. Great. Done. Like, do you want, okay, done. Like, it's, it's really that simple if you, you know, you know reach out and, and, and take, take the initiative. So that's cool. And, you know, subscribe and just be a part of the conversation. I've actually found, and I've been I've been in youth ministry, I've been in music, I've been in direct marketing. LinkedIn, the aviation community is very active. Yeah. On LinkedIn. I, I never really used LinkedIn that much until I, I got into aviation. So become a part of the conversation on LinkedIn is it would be helpful for sure. Yeah, I agree. LinkedIn is a very big spot for us as well. Can meet a lot of people. And then those events too. I'm always, like you were talking about before, I'm always a big proponent of going to those events. And then I'll reiterate what you said, reach out to people. Like like you said, I mean, you've been around for a long time and I've been around for a while and we, I still love talking to people. Like I would never not respond to somebody. And I think it's because right. it's fun, right? So I, yeah. So yeah, if you're listening, don't, don't hesitate to reach out. And, and, you know, people will say like, it's, it's all about who knows, you know, who you know. Mm-hmm. And, and like to flip that, like it's not about who you know, it's who knows you. You know, money, job, opportunity follows attention. Attention is the new commodity right now. So how, what are you doing to get someone else's attention? And it goes back to, like you said, are you showing up at the events? Are you creating content? Are you being part of the conversation? 
you know, this year for MBAA, I had a goal to be, you know, one of the top 40 at 40. And, you know, I had a couple of people nominate me, I know, and uh, I have not gotten a call. So that tells me that I didn't make it this year. And so I can lick my wound and just be like, oh, well, I'll never again. I'll never try again or whatever. Or I can say, okay, well, what did I do to put myself in front of the people who make the decision? <laughs> I really didn't do much. Like to, to put myself in front of, like, I didn't go to the, as many events as I could have, even if they were online. Like, okay, it's one thing going to an event like in Las Vegas, you know, I can't always make those. But sure. what did I, did I make myself present to the MBAAA people for digital events? Was I part of the conversation when they were, you know, posting stuff online? And the answer is no. So why would they choose me? They don't know me. If they don't know me. They can't make any recommendations whether I'm a good fit or a bad fit. So sure. if you're, you're new into the industry, you want to get, take responsibility to get known mm-hmm. and it's, you know, just make a positive impression and it'll flow from there. That's so interesting that you say that because I think there's a parallel to some of my previous guests that we've had. Sometimes we say that schedulers and dispatchers are perhaps passed by for positions in the leadership role. But one of the things along the way, like you just said, is you have to make yourself known. Like, did you tell your supervisor, manager, et cetera, that you want those roles? So you have to put your face in front of them and say, I want this and this is what I'm doing to get there. So I think, yeah, that's a really good point. Make yourself known. And I wanted to just touch real quick on a point that you mentioned earlier today about the the morals and the the way you're conducting business. I think aviation can sometimes have, there are some people in aviation that maybe aren't so honest, perhaps the wrong aircraft to a client, maybe suggesting some type of a giant airplane when they really just want to go domestically, but it's worth a lot of money. So you want to sell it to them anyway. But I think that's a really good point because this industry is small not small, but it is small. And if you come into the industry and you have perhaps not the best business morals, people are going to remember that. So that if you're coming into the industry, make sure you're doing doing good business, being a good citizen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and take a moment, you know, if you're a scheduled dispatcher wanting to grow to the next level or you're wanting to get into aviation, take a moment and think about three, four, five, six of your own core values. Mm-hmm. What's important to you, because that's going to inform the things that you do. It's going to yeah. inform how you conduct yourself. And sometimes we're just going around conducting ourselves based off we don't know what, and and then we're, we're we're shortchanging ourselves. Like our I have our core values are, and over there, I mean they're behind me in, in my office. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm talking to someone, like I have in the back of my head, like well, transparency, honesty. I mean, those are our values. So when I get bad news, like I want to be honest, I want to be transparent about it. You know, resiliency, education, humility. They're just, they're, they're in the back of my mind. So as I'm conducting business, I'm thinking about, it, is this reflective of, you know, what our core values are? Yeah, such a good point. And that is necessary and, and good, whether you want to start your own business or you want to stay in the company that you're at right now. Um, mm-hmm. Those core values are important either way. And it's easy to do. Just think about them and then just keep them with you, you know? And, and, that, and that becomes part of who you are, part of your character. And that's what people will notice, you know, how you conduct yourself. Not just the things you say, but 
how you actually do business. Yeah, that really resonates with me. So if you're listening, make sure you get out, you know, that's your homework is to find all your core values. Well, Tom, thank you so much for your time today. It's been really great talking to you. What an inspiration. And I love what you're doing on the website. I don't think there's anybody else out there. And I, I, I really like it partly because I think you're bringing aviation into this next the next stage, the digital stage, the more the, the younger, I want to say younger stage, but you know, we're, we're, we got to get into this more and I love it. So thank you so much for your time. Hey, if somebody wanted to talk to you, where would they find you? Uh, you can go to YouTube, the ultimate jet guide that has all the contact information, ultimatejetguide.com as well. Or if you want to find me on Instagram, that's probably the most direct or LinkedIn as my name's Tom Lelio. That's Lima Echo, Lima Yankee Oscar. Uh, for those for those schedules and dispatchers that know the phonetic alphabet. If you don't know, you have to figure it out. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Tom, again, and I uh, hope to see you back here again soon. Thanks, Lindsay. Thank you for listening. Please stay tuned for more episodes and check out our website for up-and-coming podcasts. This has been a production of the Business Aviation Collective sponsored by LD Aviation.